so hungry. Hey, it's me, Lisa Lillian, also known as Hungry Girl, back for another episode of Chew the Right Thing. This week, I am flying solo. I don't have Mikey or Jamie with me, and that is because I have a special guest joining me today. She is one of my new friends and an awesome human being who is absolutely brilliant. Her name is Dr. Amy Shaw. She has a brand new book out. It is called Why Am I So Effing Tired? And that is a fantastic title because we are all so tired, and her book is incredible, and it is packed with information. She is a fasting expert, and she is going to give us some incredible information and advice, and I'm very excited to welcome her to the show. But before we jump into the interview with Dr. Amy, I want to talk a little bit about this week's sponsor. Our sponsor this week is Green Giant. Yes, you know we love Green Giant. They are the veggie masters from veggie spins on comfort food to incredible swaps for pasta, always new delicious ways to eat vegetables. And some of my favorite offerings from Green Giant are their veggie riced vegetables. They have up to 85% fewer calories than regular rice, which is incredible. And they have just four to 12 grams of carbs per serving. And there are so many recipe ready varieties with zero sauces, zero seasonings, just 100% veggies. You can use them anywhere you'd use regular rice, like stir fries, power bowl soups. And there are so many flavored varieties like the broccoli and cauliflower with cheese and the riced cauliflower casserole. Yum. And of course, the best part, there's like zero prep, no peeling, no chopping, no blending. They cook up in minutes in the microwave or on the stove and they're just delicious. What can I say? Now, I really want you to go to the Foodcast page this week. That's hungry-girl.com slash foodcast because there is a brand new Hungry Girl recipe featuring the riced cauliflower. It is a creamy salsa verde chicken and riced cauliflower casserole. Wow, that sounds amazing. And guess what? It is. I know because I made it and then I ate it. And we will also link you out to a recipe hub filled with veggie-packed recipes featuring Green Giant's veggie swap-ins and seven money-saving coupons. So you don't want to miss that. Thank you, Green Giant. We love you. Dr. Amy, welcome. I am so excited to have you on the podcast. I am a huge fan. You're amazing. You are a rock star. So thank you for being here. Right back at you. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Um, for those of the listeners out there that are not familiar with you or what you do, can you give us a quick rundown before we jump into talking about your incredibly amazing new book? <laughs> Thanks. So I am a mom. I'm a uh, a nutritionist by training. I went to medical school. I'm a double board certified MD. So I treat people for all kinds of different illnesses. Um, but my real focus in the last few years has been on mind, body health, the wellness of our mind and our body. And that's really the reason why I wrote this book, because it took me over two years to write it. But I said, well, what is it that I'm really trying to do here by giving people nutrition advice and lifestyle advice? Um, the thing I'm really trying to do is help us uh, get to that next level without killing ourselves, um, killing our mind and our bodies. Um, so really, really feeling good, looking good, having lots of energy. That's, that's what I help women do. So your book is called, I'm so effing tired. And 
you know what? We're also effing tired. Why are we also effing tired? Lisa, this is such a great question. We are, we actually are also effing tired. 70% of women uh, report symptoms of burnout, fatigue, and, um, you know, just kind of not feeling themselves. Uh, This is something that's even increased during the pandemic by 33%. Um, We are all, I argue that it's a problem of what we eat. It's a problem of when we eat, and it's a problem of how we think. So these three areas in medical world, we would call it chronobiology, microbiology, and psychobiology. And these are the three areas I dive deep in the book uh, about things we can fix. Even if you're not tired, you'll get benefits from this. But if you are, um, you are really going to see your energy turn around. Just like, you know, when you have poor gut health, sometimes you don't even know it's bad until you fix it. And then you're like, oh, wait, my gut health was so poor all these years. And that's how I think people will feel once they try the techniques that I outlined in the book. I mean, your book is amazing. Uh, I've been enjoying it on Audible. I have, I don't have the hard copy yet, so I can't, that's why I got, you know, I, I, I can't wait to get that and hold it in my hand. And what I really like about it is I started intermittent fasting probably about a year ago, maybe a little over a year ago. And I noticed my energy level was like skyrocketing. And I was intrigued by a term that you use, and I don't know if you coined this or you didn't, but circadian fasting. Can you tell me a little bit about what that is and how that is a little bit different from just straight up IF, intermittent fasting? Absolutely. So intermittent fasting is good, but circadian fasting is better because we're using the power of circadian rhythms, the 24-hour light and dark cycle that we live on, literally live on, and we're combining them Uh, that with the benefits of intermittent fasting. So I basically think of it um, like a multitasking uh, benefit for your body. So you're not only are you getting the benefits of weight loss and more energy, but you're also helping your long-term health with something like circadian fasting. So I'll define it for people who may have never heard of it, so actually I did coin the term. And the reason why is because I kept seeing all these things about intermittent fasting, but they were really saying oh, very different things. It's like exercise can be Tai Chi and yoga, or it can be a marathon. And that's how intermittent fasting is. So what I um, talk a, a lot about is this concept of circadian fasting. Circadian fasting means we apply the science of circadian rhythms, what we know. We know that our bodies need sleep, just like our brains need sleep. Your gut your gut needs sleep. The bacteria that live in your gut, they actually have personalities and they have sleep schedules. And you got to let them sleep too, right? So they have personalities. They I really might challenge do. you on that. They really <laughs> do. They like different foods and they have different um, th- places they like to live. You know, they, they're literally... Um, just like us, they need sleep, they need food, they have preferences for what foods they have. And these bacteria do not like to be woken up in the middle of the night and have to help with metabolism. And it's like waking you up in the middle of the night and asking you to do a complex math problem. So you're going to make mistakes. 
you're going to be pissed and you're going to wake up the next day, super groggy and hungover from, you know, being woken up. And that's what's happening to our body when we're constantly eating late at night. And so circadian fasting is just literally taking a break from dinner to breakfast. And it sounds so simple, but it's something that we don't do. So you say it should be a 12 hour fast is what, where everybody should be able to start. And so you would recommend maybe stopping eating maybe at seven or eight at night? Yes. Got it. And then do you cycle that up? I mean, do you change it up? It seems that like your plan, take us through the fasting sort of intervals. Yeah. So um, especially for women, we are wired differently than men. We are not just little men. We are actually wired to um, sense stress on our bodies and stress on our minds um, more sensitively than men. and. I mean, there's many, many other reasons also, but that's kind of the simplified uh, answer of why women really need to start very easy on the fasting. So you might start with just 12 hours, um, seven to seven or eight to eight. Um, eight to eight is the interval I gave in the book because um, you know you want to stop about two hours, two to three hours before bed. And then um, when you know the next day, say you get used to doing the eight to eight or seven to seven. Then you start sprinkling in two or three days of a push fast. So push fast for, in my mind, um, and what I talk about in the book is some days that you're going to challenge your body just slightly. And you may start with just turning that into 13 or 14 hours. Um, and then maybe you push it to 15 hours on some of the push days. Now, remember that women are cycling creatures. Not only do we cycle day and night, we cycle by month and there is a part of the month that is not a good time to do a lot of push fasting. And so what I tell women is to modify the schedule um, when it is the week before their period, what we call the late luteal phase. It's very important to watch the stress level in your life during that time. So if you're someone who's in childbearing age, uh, meaning be between the ages of like 12 and 50, you're probably going to have to um, adjust for that late luteal phase week by doing a little less fasting, doing a little less intense exercise, getting a little more sleep and eating a little more, uh, complex carbs. And I think that we can all say that that will uh, help beat a lot of the symptoms that we feel during that week. Um, and so, yeah, so I cycle on a weekly basis um, and I ask people to cycle on a monthly basis. And I also tell people that you should take one full day off every week because um, there is something to be said about, you know, having a meal with your family and close friends, like really pick that day to be, the day that um, you want to reconnect with your family or your friends. Um, and that could be Saturday night for people. That can be Friday night. That can be Sunday night. But pick a day where you're not going to do a circadian fast. Um, that's really helpful. And I know that when I started fasting, like it was a shock to my body because I was a grazer and I used to eat all the time. And that's why I'm hungry, girl. I'm always hungry. But, um, and I found, and I find a lot of people say this, that when they fast, when they start to eat, they eat too many calories too quickly. Do you have any tips on like things that people might be able to do to stop that from happening or, or certain foods that they can focus on eating that might help with that? Absolutely. So the problem with 
typical intermittent fasting is that um, you start out, most people start out too aggressive with their fast. And then when they break their fast, they are constantly hungry because it was too much of a stressor. As you know, a lot of us who were part of diet culture, I mean, pretty much all of us were part of diet culture growing up. And you probably remember, Lisa, I'm sure you can remember, and I can too, where you kind of don't eat anything all day. You can do it for one day, right? You basically starve yourself. But the next day, your body starts to really send a lot of hunger and craving signals to you. And maybe you can like willpower your way through that day. But then the third day, you're going to break down and have, you know, a big pizza or overeat um, and feel disgusting. So that is what happens when you do too long of an intermittent fast. You're basically sending hunger signals to your brain. And most of us remember what happens when you get those hunger signals, the volume of our cravings and the volume of our appetite just go up. Um, And so you really want to be careful of not doing too many hours at once. You're going to get amazing benefits by even fasting for 12 hours, 13 hours, 14 hours. Don't need to be doing a full 16 hour fast or more every day. Excellent. Do you have any recommendations for foods um, or even beverages that you drink when you break your fast? Things that, because I know for me, I, I don't know if this is right or wrong. You might say, Lisa, why are you doing this? I like to start with fruit, like a piece of fruit or something that's like 50 to 100 calories and not overdo it. And then I wait about 15 minutes to make sure I'm not super hungry. I I absolutely agree with you. I recommend that you don't start eating. You don't break your fast with a huge meal and definitely don't start it with the hyper palatable foods like chips or cookies. You're just going to put yourself in a place. Remember those hunger signals don't get to, uh, those satiety signals don't get to your brain for about 30 to 40 minutes after uh, uh, you start eating. So you may have gone through a whole pizza or, you know, bag of chips before your body even knows that you're eating. So you really want to be start slow because your body also doesn't want to eat a huge big load when it's been fasting for so many hours. So what I have um, is I have a chai and I have nuts and berries. And then, um, cause usually I'm breaking my fast around 10 AM and I'm usually at work. So I, in the clinic and I have to eat something that's easy, fast in between patients. So I'll do, or I'll do like a smoothie, a green smoothie. Um, but I definitely have my chai or a latte and um, some nuts and berries to kind of break it. And then I'll have my bigger meal about an hour or two after that. And I tell people the mnemonic for picking things to break their fast with. The mnemonic is choose from one of the four S S groups. So one of the four S's, soup, salad, scramble, or smoothie. And if you pick from one of those four, you're not going to go wrong. Of course, yes, yes, you could definitely have a really unhealthy shake. I'm not talking about, you know, that. I'm talking about the ones that you put up on your site, the healthy ones and the green ones. Um, So if you pick from one of those, after you break your fast with a very small, like you said, like 50 to 100 calorie um, meal or mini meal, then you can ease into a bigger meal. And if you pick one of the four S's and add vegetables to whatever that, um, S is, then you'll find yourself in a really, really good spot. So if you do say a scramble, make sure it has tons of veggies. If you do a smoothie, make sure it's a, a green smoothie or, um, something that has, 
uh, fiber in it. And if you do a soup, you know, you could do a, a healthy, super healthy soup. Same with obviously a salad. So what is your WTF plan? What does WTF stand for in your world? Somebody somebody said, oh, it does it stand for Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? And I said, <laughs> oh my God, it could, it could have, but really it was, um, it, you know, it is the WTF that you think of because, you know, why whenever everybody was asking like, why am I so effing tired? And so that's the answer. Uh, if you put yourself on this plan and this plan is not one of those crash diets, it is intended to teach you the tools that you can use for the rest of your life. So you're not going to just use this and say, oh, um, you know, I'm done with my two weeks. Like, okay, you know, I'm going to go back to my regular life. It's taking these tools and taking them with you and incorporating them into your life. Um, so it's basically two weeks of meal plan, uh, timings, because it's not just what you eat, it's when you eat, um, and putting that together with recipes that are super, super simple. And um, that way you can learn what to do and take it, uh, take away from that. And you talk about something called the energy trifecta. What does that mean exactly? Yeah. So trifecta, a triangle of why we are so effing tired. Our hormones, our immune system, and our gut health are completely interconnected. And that's the energy trifecta. The brain is in the middle listening to all of this, the hormone chatter, the gut health, and the immune system, which is inflammation, for example. And everybody thinks, okay, if I'm tired, it must be adrenal fatigue. Oh no, it must be my hormones are imbalanced. Oh no, it must be my gut health. And so what I'm saying is it's all of those things. If you don't fix all of those things, you will not feel well and your health will not be good. So I think that um, if you learn this concept, somebody said it was such an eye opener because you realize, oh, like, that's my hormone. That's why I feel bloated when I'm stressed. And that's why I feel um, like when I imp improve my inflammation, when I improve my diet, that also improves inflammation. So I'm telling you guys, you hear all these words in the, in the media and it's like, well, what does that even mean? So what I'm saying is inflammation, hormones, and gut health, they're all interconnected. You can fix them all with some of the techniques that I'm talking to you about, um, including circadian fasting, et cetera. So let's talk for a minute about hormones. Everyone's always talking about, oh, my hormones are out of whack. I don't know what to do. First of all, I mean, most people are not testing their hormones all the time. How do we know if our hormones are out of whack? How do they fit into our overall health? And what foods can we be eating that might help with our hormone issues? Yeah, that's a great question. So think about your hormones like um, the four or five, okay? It's a, a complex hormonal highway. And each uh, hormone, uh, each organ is an exit. Like there's a thyroid exit and then there's an adrenal exit and there's an ovary exit. And for men, the testes exit, right? If there is a backup in any one of those exits, the entire system will be slowed down and jammed. So, you know, you live in a place where there's complex um, uh, highways that get jammed up. If there's, there, if there's an accident anywhere, right, there's um, a slowdown everywhere. So that's how our hormonal highway works. Um, so to say that you're going to fix your adrenals and that's going to help the problem is not enough. You really have to decongest 
that highway. And the way you do that is by these three things, changing what you eat, when you eat, and how you think. So these are the ways to kind of decongest um, the highway. So the foods, there's foods that actually will help you decongest. So the way you think about it is that there's no supplement um, and there's no pill that's going to magically fix your hormonal problems. But if you eat a diet full of fiber, 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 fiber is like the one thing that you can take away from today is like, if you eat a full, a diet full of fiber, so plant fibers, like, um, that's located in vegetables, for example, you will be able to kind of, um, unclog that highway and improve your health. So take out the processed foods, which we already know, um, really turn that down to only 10% of your diet, turn down the sugar so that you're only eating fruit and like maybe stevia and monk fruit for your sweeteners and add in six to eight servings of vegetables every day. And you'll notice that, um, that improves your hormone health. So uh, there's certain vegetables um, that actually uh, grow the gut bacteria and the gut bacteria will detox that excess estrogen in your gut. It will help to conjugate all these hormones in your body. So there's that interconnectedness between the hormones and the gut. So what are, what are the magic vegetables? <laughs> yeah, the magic vegetables are, um, there's three types, okay? Cruciferous vegetables are one, which is, you know, broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, and cabbage. But of course, remember, cruciferous vegetables, if you're someone who eats very, very little fiber and you try to eat a whole bunch of cruciferous vegetables, your body will reward you with like the worst gas you've ever had in your life. So when you're starting with cruciferous vegetables, make sure they're very well cooked and in very small amounts, like a half cup. So you don't want to do cruciferous vegetables too much, but they do such an amazing job detoxing your body of excess or old hormones and really balancing out that gut bacteria. And then we have leafy greens, um, which is like your spinach, right? This is very digestible. You can easily add it to smoothies and you can add it um, to, uh, you know, salads and scrambles. And then, um, we have our prebiotic vegetables. There's a lot of prebiotics are food for our gut bacteria. So you want to add prebiotics. Prebiotics are um, especially high in things like onions and jicama and asparagus. And there's a bunch I list in the, in the book that are actually really high levels of prebiotics that actually feed that um, gut bacteria. So, and then if you can get, the bonus is probiotics. So probiotics, people always think of probiotics as a pill. No, probiotics are like foods that you can eat. Think about kimchi, think about um, kombucha. Kimchi, I know, see, I don't eat any of those things. What else? Name more. Miso. Kim, miso I love. Yeah. Like packets kombucha. of miso soup. Kombucha yeah. I don't like. I wish I uh, What about kefir? Uh, well, it's like, it's usually like, disguised as ice cream. So the calorie counts are high. Yeah. So you got to do, you got to find, um, you know, there's now, okay. So now if you go to your health food store, there's an entire aisle of natural probiotics, basically fermented vegetables, anything that has a fermentation process, 
often has probiotics in it. Yogurts actually have uh, probiotics too, but they're actually a lot lower than people think. So it's not just like you can have your Activia and be done. Um, Cause that stuff has a lot of sugar and not a lot of probiotics actually. So are you saying that the supplements, I'm sure they're fine, but you're saying it's better to get those probiotics from vegetables and other foods? Yeah, because think about it. Probiotics means bacteria. If your body swallows bacteria, it's going to attack and kill it right away. But there are some, our body recognizes food differently than pills, right? So you have a much better chance of getting that into your gut than you do a pill. A pill is going to be mostly destroyed, if not all destroyed by the time it gets to your colon. Oh, that's really interesting. So it's absorbed better through foods than it yes, is through supplements. That's cool and one know. of the tricks I tell people is like, even if you are taking a probiotic, eat it with something. So you have a better chance of getting it down into your gut. Or drink it with a big bottle of kombucha, right? Yeah, there you go. (laughs) So how does sleep play a factor in all of this? I think one of the biggest problems people have is that either they can't sleep, there's not enough time to sleep, they're not sleeping well. How can that really affect us? And how can people change their sleep habits effectively? That's a great question, Lisa. I used to think I was a terrible sleeper. And, you know, there are people who are genetically wired um, to be more sensitive to sleep disturbances, but you can change so much of that. We know now um, that sleep is not only important for your energy, obviously, but it's also important for your long-term health. Even just two nights of poor sleep has huge impacts on your insulin regulation, on your thought processes, on your gut health. So you really, really want to uh, get that sleep. And, you know, changing your habits are the best way to get sleep. So the surprising thing that people might not know is getting about of daylight, especially in the morning, is a great way to get sleep that next night. Um, so in the morning, when you wake up, it doesn't have to be immediately, you know, in your pajamas, but it can be, get some direct sunlight, like meaning not through a window, but direct sunlight. And what that does is it tells your brain that it's daytime now. And it turns on the metabolism, it turns on the brain. And this will help you go to sleep at night because then your brain knows, okay, well, it was night like about 12 hours ago. Now it's night, uh, I mean, it's daylight 12 hours ago. Now it's nighttime, it's time to go to bed. So that's one of the easiest tips. The second tip is to turn down those blue lights. I mean, how many of us are have the TV, the computer and our phones and bright fluorescent lights on late into the evening, you know, maybe you don't go to Target or the grocery store at like 8 p.m. You know, maybe you change out the light bulbs in your room. That's something simple you can do in your bedroom to change out the light bulbs. You don't need the fluorescent harsh lighting. You need some dimmer lighting or get a dimmer and keep it dim um, for two to three hours before bed to prep your brain to say, yeah, it is night and to sync with your circadian rhythms. And then um, turning the temperature down and making it pitch black. Right, I know, I mean, my husband likes to sleep with the television on and I hate it. I feel like I don't get great sleep when the TV is on. So I like darkness. Lisa, it's proven that um, having ambient light in the room, blue light uh, actually is a, uh, does disturb your sleep. So if you can get a face mask, uh, like an eye mask, That could help. And, you know, is seasonal affect disorder like a real thing? I find that every October, right after daylight savings, I mean, you're lucky you live in Arizona and you don't have that problem as much as we do. But I feel like really depressed and like I want to go to sleep at like 5.30 p.m. Is that like a normal thing? Absolutely. I mean, somebody said, oh, I feel like I'm a solar power like 
per, like plant or something. And I said, that's exactly what you are. Actually, all of us are solar powered, right? So we have different degrees of how it affects our psyche, but one of the easiest ways to get a boost of energy and mood is to spend more time outdoors in natural light um, and get, um, you know, get as much light as you can. And then um, that can help you with kind of the seasonal affective disorder. There's also something called a happy light. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but on Amazon. No, wait, can can I was going to say, can I get it on Amazon? <laughs> yeah, you can totally get it on Amazon. You want something that has 10,000 lux um, of light. So it mimics like sun and people put it on their desk and they just feel so much better on those dark, dreary days where you feel like, um, and make sure you're getting it like towards the morning time so that you're not messing up your circadian rhythms. And let's talk a little bit more about your book. We got into your whole philosophy and it's amazing, but this book really sums it up and offers a lot, including recipes. So give a nice rundown of everything people would get out of your book. Yeah, thanks. There's quizzes. There's the background science because I, you know, instead of looking at a medical textbook, let me break it down for you. So the background science, there's a plan, a done for you plan with timings of when you should be fasting with recipes, with, um, you know, ideas for snacks, drinks, um, what you can have while you're fasting. And then, um, and then the back is, um, recipes and then links to the science for those of people who want to say like, okay, I want to dive deeper into some of this stuff. Um, and so you can do your own investigation. So all of that is in the book. And I start out with my personal story, which I I think, you know, a lot of us can relate to because um, I was in a place of really bad constant fatigue and burnout, and I almost didn't know it. Um, and I think a lot of us would relate to that. Right. You had a car accident. I was reading about that. And it was, was that due to you constantly being tired? Yeah, absolutely. It was because my mind was always racing and I knew I was tired, but I didn't know, I didn't have time to fix anything. It's like how we, a lot of us go through our lives. We know there's things that are wrong with how we feel, um, but we're not, we don't have time to slow down to kind of edit that. And maybe it's, also because we don't have enough guidance. Um, people, you know, in our culture, being burned out and tired is a ba badge of honor. It's, you know, you, you're doing a good job if you're burned mm -hmm. out and tired. That's so, interesting. It's so true. Yeah. You really I'm need sad. to- sad. Sad. <laughs> we need to actually show that it's actually, actually you can get more done when you incorporate a few little things every day. These little switches like circadian fasting, I'm not talking about, you know, five day long juice fast. You know, I'm talking about things that you can do on your busy day um, and just tweak your schedule a little bit and you're going to get big results. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Let's talk about water because there's always so much back and forth about, do you really need water? I used to drink so much water, then I stopped. And now this week I started with this cute little bottle that like keeps track of everything. And I'm trying to drink a ton. I feel so much better when I drink a lot of water. What is your take on water? The science doesn't match um, up that well. So there's no um, scientific literature that says like, you must drink this much water, right? But we know that a lot of times when we're hungry, we're actually just thirsty. Dehydration has effects on our energy levels. Um, it has effects on our hunger signals. And so if you're someone who's trying to be fit 
be energetic, um, you really, and get good bowel movements, for example, you really want to up your water intake. Uh, I actually say like 60, 80 ounces a day. Some people even go up to a hundred ounces a day. Yeah. You need one of these bottles if you're going to do that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, I it works. I, I kept refilling my water bottle today because, um, I had a, like a regular size, um, you know, steel water bottle and I had to keep refilling it, refilling it. Um, but really getting enough water is such a great way to uh, simply boost your energy. You are amazing. I want to just say that right now. I am like such a fan. I think your book is incredible. And if people want to know more about you, they want to follow you, they want to find your book, where can they go? Feel free to tell them to go many, many different places. Yeah. So on Instagram, uh, I'm at FastingMD. On Twitter, I'm Amy Shaw MD. That's same with Facebook, Amy Shaw MD. And I have a website for the book called I'm So Effing Tired. And it's I'm So Effing Tired.com. And I have a personal website, amymdwellness.com. You're everywhere. <laughs> Is there as anything are you, else? <laughs> as are you, my friend. I'm but I'm not tired <laughs> anymore. I'm energetic. Yes, I love it. Yes, I love <laughs> Any, it. Anything else you'd like to add before I let you go? No, thank you, Lisa, so much for having me. This was so wonderful. Thank you. Keep up the incredible work, and I hope you'll come back and give us some more info. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. Wow, what an incredible episode. That was just so info-packed and helpful. Dr. Amy is fantastic. If you didn't get everything down or you forgot where to find her or you just need more information about everything you heard, you can go to our Foodcast page, which can be found at www.hungry-girl.com slash foodcast. That's hungry-girl.com slash foodcast. We will link you out to all things Dr. Amy Shaw and also show you how to get that amazing green giant recipe that I told you about and other great green giant stuff. So thank you so much for tuning in. This was fantastic. We will be back next week. I will have Mikey and Jamie with me. And next week we have a Shark Tank haul. So we are going to be putting some of those Shark Tank products to the test. So don't miss that. I am Lisa Lillian, also known as Hungry Girl. Till next time, chew the right thing.